You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Monday, December 5th. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And uh, follow us, subscribe, please, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts across the Big Blue View Radio Network as well. All right, here to uh, to help me discuss Sunday's 2020 tie between the Giants and the Washington Commanders, as always, is Big Blue View's Tony Del Genio. Tony, how you doing this morning? Have you... Uh, have you figured out how to feel about about Sunday yet? Oh, I figured ha- out how to feel about Sunday a long time ago after the game was over yesterday. I tweeted Giants lose to Washington 2020 and said, well, yeah, you know, it, it it's in the locker room. A lot of the players didn't quite know how to take it Uh they said it felt like a loss. It 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 felt kind of empty. They just they didn't quite know how to process it. You know, in the in the in the overall view of the thing when it comes to the playoff picture, tying the game obviously didn't hurt as much as losing the game would have. I mean, it puts a lot more puts a lot more importance on that game in Washington in two weeks. doesn't hurt the Giants as much as losing the game would have. But this was, this was a missed opportunity. This was a game that when you, when you go back and look at it, when you go back and look at the, the fumble in the first, uh, on the first possession that gave Washington three points, 20 to 13 lead in the third quarter, and then really a complete failure by the offense the rest of the game. This was a game that that was there for the Giants to win and and was it just a huge missed opportunity. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing. You know, you can you can feel good about a tie when you feel like you've you've scrambled back and 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 uh you know robbed the other team of a victory in a game that they should have won. But I thought that after the first quarter, this was a game the Giants mostly dominated and should have won. And as you say, it's the plays that were left on the field, uh, either because of poor execution or I think poor play calling that or, or, uncontrolled emotions in the case of uh, John Feliciano's penalty, all of these things that contributed to the law to, to the game being feeling more like a loss than a tie, than a a tie should feel. Let's talk first about the Feliciano play for me. Feliciano was upset after the game. He couldn't believe that the penalty was called. And I think 
as I wrote after the game and then as I wrote again this morning in the kudos and wet willies, that's entirely on John Feliciano. He's in his eighth or ninth year in the NFL. He's played a lot of football. He knows the rules. Whether he was intending to taunt commanders players or not, you can't charge through a group of commander defenders like an elephant and flex in the middle of that crowd. Even if you're flexing towards Darius Slayton, you can't do that and think that at least someone won't interpret that as taunting the opposition. It's just a silly out of control play by Feliciano that came at a point where the Giants, all they needed to do right there was get a field goal because you're they're going to put themselves into a two-score game probably with five minutes or less to go. And, and instead, they wind up punting and Washington ties the game. And for me, that's the crucial play that really sort of snatched a tie out of the jaws of victory for the giants right there. And, and I just find, I found it unforgivable from Feliciano. Yeah, I agree. That was, uh, that was a key point in the game that they had a chance to go up by two scores and, and you wind up getting nothing out of it. Of course, a team with a, with a good offense can, can still recover from that and do something. But of course the giants don't have a good offense right now. And so you can't let any opportunity slip away that presents itself. And uh, I mean, I mean that having been said, I think that the taunting rule in the NFL is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I'm not saying there shouldn't be such a rule, but I think that they apply it way too often. However, in a situation like that, you just cannot even take a chance on something like that happening. No, I, I would agree with you about the rule, Tony, but the rule is there and players have, have known it for the last couple of years. And as I said, you just can't, you can't put the official in a position where, where he can you know, make the judgment that you cross that line. Um, Anyway, before we talk about the the offense overall, the other play that there's a lot of debate regarding is the Darius Slayton non-catch. Uh, 145 left in the game, tie game, Giants ball. They take a deep shot to Slayton. He gets turned around. He doesn't make the catch. I see that as a ball that Darius Slayton has to catch. We can argue about whether or not Daniel Jones made a perfect throw. I looked at it a number of times, and I had a different view than anybody than other people did because I was upstairs in the press box, so I had an overhead view. But I look at that as a ball that Daniel Jones had to throw to the outside because of where the safety was. And whether it was perfectly placed or not, it looked to me like Darius Slayton slowed down, looked to me like he made the judgment to to jump for it instead of run under it. And, you know, he had which he admitted after the game. And it, it's a ball for me that whether it's perfectly placed or not, Darius Slayton has to catch. I don't know what your what your thought is on it. So I watched uh the all twenty-two on that play. Nick Filato posted it on his uh website 
on his, I'm sorry, on his Twitter feed. Uh, and he may have done it in his uh, BBB uh, article that just went up a little while ago. But you can, you can see pretty well that, that Slayton slows down very early. Uh, anticipating before the balls before the balls thrown, he slowed down because when I yeah, looked up, yeah. it appeared that he wasn't moving at all. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so I, I think it was his decision to try to catch the ball that way. And so uh, if that's what he's more comfortable with, rather than trying to catch it more in stride, um, so be it. I mean, he you know, he knows better than than we do how he's most comfortable catching balls. Uh, but the fact is, he went up, got both hands on the ball. And once you do that, he came down, you know, in possession of the ball, but couldn't complete right. going to the ground with it. Right. And uh, and so that's that's a miss by him, as as far as I'm concerned. I'll say yeah. that uh, what bothered me even more was the Giants calling another deep shot on the next play. I like the idea that you go for your shot on first and ten in that game situation, but having not completed it. I feel like the imperative now is just to get a first down and you've only got two shots to do it. You don't want to risk leaving yourself in third and 10. Instead, they call another deep shot. And I didn't, I thought that was not a good play call at all, but I, but I do think that, that that ball was mostly Slayton's ball. Right. I would agree with you on the, uh, I would agree with you definitely on the second play call. I thought that was, that was an odd approach by the giants there because what they wound up doing and it didn't it didn't burn them because the defense did just enough just enough but what they wound up doing was going three plays three and out 17 seconds coming off the clock and that's just for me that's just the one thing you can't do is basically is hand the ball back to Washington with a minute and a half to play or minute and 20 to play and give them another opportunity. So I, I didn't understand that play call either. And that leads me to, to Mike Kafka, to the play calling. And it was interesting. Brian Dayball said after the game, when he was asked about the second half offense, he didn't take a shot at Mike Kafka. And he, he said that he supported what was done and how the Giants approached the offense, but they went six consecutive possessions where they punted. In regulation, they ran 10 plays over four possessions, gained a total of two yards in those four possessions. And Dable said after the game that Washington had better play calls on the second half on defense than the Giants had offensive play calls. And I guess what I didn't understand, I don't understand, and I'm, I'm not going to pick on one play call in particular, but I kept looking for something creative. I kept looking for even the two back set the Giants ran last week, you know, on Thanksgiving Day that worked well with Gary Brightwell. I kept looking for for a jet sweep. I kept looking for a reverse. I kept looking for anything like a mid range pass instead of just a little rollout dump to the tight end. I kept looking for something different mm -hmm. and it never came. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we've seen that increasingly in the last few weeks. Um, I, you, you highlighted the second half. I'll go back even further to the end of the first half 
when they wound up tying the game with a field goal, but I thought that they had a very weird drive to get into position for that field goal as far as the play calling was concerned. They had they had first down on Washington's 30 with a minute seven left in the half, and they did nothing but a couple of short passes. Jones ran up the middle once, and then on third and one, they call that zone read to Jones, which leaves you no option at all for anything except to try to to try to throw the ball down stop the clock uh, spike the ball and then and then kick the field goal not once during that entire sequence did they did they have any semblance of actually trying to 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 go to the end zone uh, on a on a play like that and and not calling a pass play on third down and one with that little time left just struck me as very very unusual play calling and it seems to me that you know, I mean, I've been thinking back to it and, and I was very impressed with the Giants up through the Jacksonville game. And I thought that, that they were really doing interesting things. In addition to the fact that they were winning, they were doing interesting things uh, with the ball. And ever since then, it seems to me that they've become afraid to play, afraid to try to win. They're, they're trying to play not to lose. And, and, and that's what's bothering me about this little mini kind of losing, mostly losing streak that, that they're in is that they seem to be playing so cautiously. Yeah. It, it's obvious that they have decided as a group, Mike Kafka, Brian Dable, they have decided that, that caution on offense is the better part of valor. It's not like they don't throw the ball at all, but they throw the ball on their terms. They throw it, when they need to throw it, they throw it in very in a very careful manner most of the time. And and it's it's frustrating to watch. It actually is. And and the other thing is I don't know for a fact that he's not a hundred percent healthy, but Saquon Barkley does not appear to be the same as he was earlier in the season. And it, and I, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if he's if he's not healthy. But I am a little mystified by the by by the lack of creativity, by the lack of willingness to uh, to open up a little bit on offense. I don't know if I don't know if that says more about Daniel Jones or if that says more about what they think is around Daniel Jones. I tend to think that for me, I tend to think it's more about what's around Jones, but it is a sort of go into a shell approach that, uh, that isn't helping. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, leaves them very few options uh, for the rest of the season. And of course, that's what hurts about this tie. You, you win this game yesterday. And then I would argue, all you have to do is, is beat Washington again in two weeks and beat Indianapolis, which are both doable things. And then you finish with that no worse than 10 and seven record that almost certainly gets you into the playoffs. Uh, and they, they, you know, half through this opportunity out the window. Now they could still win those other two games. I, I don't think Washington is a fearsome team at all uh they have uh they have two you know a couple of nice wide receivers obviously uh, uh mclaurin is one of the best in the nfl and uh you know maybe maybe by the time they play next uh the giants will have reinforcements starting to come back a little bit maybe in the secondary that's the other thing as i'm watching the game yesterday i'm saying to myself yeah you know, adoree jackson and xavier mckinney two avoidable, two completely avoidable injuries of your arguably best 
two defensive backs and how much could they have used them yesterday against Washington, especially, especially late in the game when Washington goes on, on the drive, you know, uh, uh, by the score when the Giants are up by a touchdown. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. On that on that last drive, on that last drive in regulation, you, you make a great point. Give Taylor Heineke some credit on the fourth and four. He gets out of the pocket under tremendous pressure, and he makes a throw that you know that that keeps Washington alive in that situation. But if you look closely at the play, it's Cordell Flott who's in coverage. Cordell Flott who's on the field because Xavier McKinney, Adoree Jackson and Darnay Holmes are not on the field. On the following two plays, where Washington goes two plays, 53 yards, with two big chunk passing plays, it's undrafted free agent rookie Zion Gilbert making his NFL debut, who's in coverage against, against Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson, who are two good wide receivers, and I'm not going to fault Gilbert, all right? He got beat, but he's an undrafted free agent rookie out of a small school who's a practice squad elevation who shouldn't, who's, who shouldn't have to be in that situation, and, and the commanders found the right time to attack him. Other than that sequence, he played pretty well. Mm-hmm. But but it's a sequence where the players the Giants are missing, as you said, through avoidable circumstances that really cost the Giants on that last drive. Yeah. And if they if they wind up not making the playoffs this year, then you look back to to having a Dory Jackson return punts and Xavier McKinney making uh, a very irresponsible decision during the during the break as the reasons why they didn't make the playoffs. As far as I'm concerned, because I think I think uh, they're putting the Giants really in a bind defensively. I mean, the you know the flip side of things is that the Giants' uh, defensive line is looking quite good uh, with 
with uh, Aziz coming back and playing very well. I thought Kayvon had another great game yesterday and Dexter had another very good game yesterday. So they've got a lot of strength up front, but in the defensive backfield they're you know, they're, they're playing mostly guys that should not be out there starting. Uh, interestingly, Radarius Williams didn't play at all yesterday, even though they had, they had plenty of dime packages that they were using. I think even seven defensive backs they were using, mm-hmm. uh, I think that, uh, yesterday, uh, Radarius Williams didn't see the field at all. And I thought that was kind of funny after, after he, I thought he played pretty well against, uh, against Dallas, all things considered. And, uh, so I'm not sure what's going on, you know, with with the Giants' personnel usage and the and the play calling, but but something is something is funny compared to the way things were about, you know, uh, halfway through the season. Yeah, it's interesting. Rodarius Williams, Tay Crowder. I saw, and I haven't really dealt with it at this point, but I did see. I think both guys took to social media after the game and expressed a little bit of frustration about not getting out there. The Giants are interesting in a way in how they use personnel. They do a little bit of that that New England Patriots approach where where they have some guys play a lot one week and then not much the next week. It it varies based on scheme and and I I was really interested with with Gilbert playing as much as he did. I know the Giants seem to really like Nick McLeod. I think Rodarius Williams probably um, probably ended up taking a back seat because Fabian Moreau was back. I'm surprised he didn't get on the field at all, but uh, but I think the Giants don't see him as a, as a slot corner. Tay Crowder, I think we understand has been uh, has been passed by by uh, Micah McFadden and actually by some of the other defensive backs when it comes to how the Giants use their linebackers. But I think that one of the one of the takeaways from from all of that, when you're rotating personnel and matching up and sub packaging and, and and trying to get the right guys on the field at the right time, is that is that you just don't have on this Giants team, you just don't have right now enough every down players. You don't have enough guys who you trust to leave on the field, and to me, it. It it speaks to to the 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 fact that they're still building and that there's there's a lack of talent in some areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's become very obvious on defense that they feel that the guys that they drafted, other than Kayvon, um, are just not ready yet to to handle an NFL load. So you're, you're not seeing Cordell flop very much. I mean, he played, he played some yesterday. I think it was more in these heavy DB packages, right. Uh, that, that he saw the field. And, um, and I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I saw Dane Belton at all yesterday. Uh, he may not have played. I'd have to go back and check the, anyway, I'd have to go back and check but I don't think he played a whole lot. Let yeah. me let me scroll real quick. I happen to have the game book up. Let me see if Belton played at all on defense. And you're absolutely right. I don't think Dane Belton played at all. So that's another uh, that's another interesting one. Uh, Jason Pinnock appears to have to have really you know solidified himself in that in that safety role with McKinney out and Tony yeah. Jefferson played 28 snaps veteran safety. Right. Um, 
so so Belton Belton only played special teams, which is interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. The other the other thing that has become increasingly obvious, and I haven't seen the pro football focus grades, and we've talked about it all year, but the interior of the Giants offensive line continues to be an issue. It's not just Feliciano's flex that costs the Giants. It's the fact that that most of the pressure that was applied on Daniel Jones came came right up the middle. Most of the lack of run blocking came because of issues right up the middle. Mark Glowinski had a bad day. Yeah. I, I think Nick Gates did fine. I think that Feliciano probably has five games left as a giant and then he's done. Um, you know, and they'll move on from him. But the injuries, you, you know, Ben Bredesen, Joshua Azudu, Shane Lemieux, the injuries have hurt the Giants on the interior of that offensive line. And even with those guys, I'm not sure if they have the long-term answers that they wanted anyway. So that's that's another area where the roster is uh, is still lacking some some players. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I say Glowinski, I think had a particularly bad game yesterday because he's up against Deron Payne, uh, and that's no easy task. But he like Payne just absolutely blow by him on on, uh, on one play that I guess Jones got uh, got sacked on. And Glowinski came to the Giants with a reputation as a strong run blocker but not a great pass blocker. But I think what we've seen this year from him is that his run blocking hasn't been all that great. And his pass blocking has been even, I think, worse than, than advertised. I think he's really just had a, a bad year as a, as a giant. I've actually been, been very disappointed with the level of play. I thought, I thought we would see, I thought we would see very strong run blocking on that side with him and Evan Neal. And I thought, okay, well, you know, we'll put up with, 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 you know, mediocre pass blocking, but he's really been, I think, pretty terrible at pass blocking. And I haven't seen the great run blocking either. Uh, No, I'll add is, is that it was nice to see Evan Neal back in the lineup and I didn't see him being highlighted as somebody who was letting guys blow by him yesterday. And so I, I feel like Evan Neal maybe is turning the corner uh, a little bit now that he's back in the lineup, maybe we'll see him have a have a strong uh, finish to his season, and we'll feel that at least that second place on the offensive line is is settled now. I hope I hope you're right on that one. It, it seemed like Neil had a uh, had a quiet game, which is a good thing for an offensive lineman. We didn't notice him, uh, so so that was a good thing. Unfortunately, we noticed Feliciano, we noticed Glowinski. And uh, not not in good ways, not in good ways at all. Um, Tony, I don't know what's going to happen here over the next uh, over the next five weeks. The Giants obviously, certainly, still have a playoff chance here. They're still, you know, as we record this show, they're still the sixth seed. But what looked like, you know, at six and one, everybody thought, oh, they're in the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. And, and, and you knew that you knew that it, it wasn't a guarantee at that point, even though it might've looked that way. But, uh, but the giants have some work cut out for themselves here. I think, I think they've got to try to get to nine wins and, uh, and see where the chips fall if they can get to nine wins. They've got to have a win over over Indianapolis. They've they've 
really got to win that game against Washington in two weeks and uh, maybe try to find another win somewhere against uh, the, the Eagles, which won't be easy, or against the Vikings, which won't be easy either. Well, so I think the the Washington game and the Indianapolis game, those are both very winnable games. And I guess I'd argue if you if you can't win those games, then you're you're really showing that you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Um, I thought they outplayed Washington yesterday and did not get a victory for for their troubles. And so coming back and the Giants have never had trouble playing in Washington. They always play well down there. Uh, So so, you know, it's that's not a tough road game to win. And I don't think the Indianapolis game is a tough game to win if 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 you are worthy of doing it. The one thing that I was reminded of this week that I had completely forgotten about, you know, I, I, I kind of toss the Eagles aside as as unwinnable games for the Giants, but it's not out of the question that if it comes down to it in in the final week of the season, the Eagles may just be sitting a lot of their starting players, just like they did uh, for part of the game uh, against Washington in 2020 with a playoff on the no, line versus the Giants. And so there's there's still a, a, a wide avenue for the Giants to get into the playoffs. It's just a matter, I think, of them starting to play better than they have recently. Yeah, it's it's really three teams for two spots. It's the Giants the Commanders, and the Seattle Seahawks. I don't look at the Detroit Lions as a real threat at at 5-7. and seven. Yeah, they're playing much better. I think they've won four out of five. But they have to win. They have to win out to get to nine victories. And 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 I just, I don't see it. And, and the other thing, you know, in closing, Tony, for us to talk about is the fact that if you look at the flip side, if you look at the positive side, what Sunday's tie did was guarantee that for the first time since 2016, the Giants will not have a double-digit loss season. And and when you look at it, no one would have expected the Giants to be playing for a playoff spot at this point in the year. I wrote the other day about whether the season can be considered a success if the giants don't make the playoffs and you you can make an argument that no matter what happens down the stretch here, playing in these games, having this opportunity is a good thing. And that a lot of good things that bode well for the future have happened for the giants, regardless of what happens, you know, over the next five weeks. Yeah, and and I, I think what we want to see from the Giants, obviously we want to see them make the playoffs. If, if, you're, if you're a Giants fan, you obviously want to see them make the playoffs, even though I think that their run in the playoffs would be pretty short-lived. Uh, but uh, the main thing you want to see is that they are, that they're playing hard and keeping themselves in games with a chance. Uh, to to finish the season out, whether they whether they win the games or not, and uh, I mean the, you know the, the bright side of yesterday's game is that Washington went out and really took it to the Giants in that in that first quarter, and it looked like and, and we know that Washington is a hot team also, and that they have responded emotionally that team to, to Taylor Heineke, I think taking over as as quarterback in in much the same way that the Jets have responded to Mike White uh, uh, taking over as quarterback, and you can I think see the rest of the team playing as if they they believe uh, in those guys. So Washington, you know, right now is is not an easy team to beat. 
but I think that their talent is, is, is very limited. And so what you want to see is the Giants being able to keep up with the teams that they're playing. I think, I think next week is their biggest challenge of the season, even though it's at home, but Philadelphia is just playing lights out in, in some of these games and Philadelphia's offense in particular looks unstoppable right now. I mean, they, they look like they can put up points against, against anybody at any time. And so let's see whether, whether the giants defense can actually make a game of it uh, against that team. And if they, if they lose to Philadelphia by a, a reasonable score, I won't consider that to be a terrible thing. If they're, uh, if they're losing, you know, 35 to three or something like that, then I'll feel like, well, we're in danger of slipping back into, into the way things had been in, in the past. So I just want to see the giants stay competitive. Yeah, I would agree. I'm, I'm kind of looking past the Philadelphia game already because I'm just not counting on, uh, on, an upset victory by the giants there. I'm pointed toward, toward the games that come after that as the ones that, uh, that are really, really important for the giants. But, uh, as you said, you never want to get blown out. So hopefully the giants make a, make a good showing on, on Sunday against the Eagles. All right, Tony, thank you as always for spending the time giants fans. Uh, please uh, stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.